Yes. Well, I realized that I can't do it on my own. I needed, um, I needed help to do it. And, and it was like coming home when I went to the workshop. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Now, today I've got the pleasure of chatting to an essential member of the World Without Wine community, the fabulous Dr. Judy. Now, Dr. Judy came along to a workshop herself, so she's no stranger to the struggles that some of us have with alcohol. Our members have direct access to Dr. Judy and can ask her all sorts of questions around alcohol and their health, which they do. I think the most frequently asked question is, oh, Dr. Judy, I've been drinking for years. Do you think I've damaged my liver? Now, as we live in the time of corona, her expertise is even more important to us. We spent part of the interviewing discussing the virus, as well as the impact of alcohol on our general health. Let's remember that alcohol weakens our immune system. And that's the last thing we want to do during a global pandemic. We want to stay strong. We want to stay safe. And if you've ever wondered, like I did, exactly what a cytokine storm is, then you're in the right place. Just keep listening. I began our conversation by asking Judy to tell us something about her personal life. My name is Dr. Judy. Um, I just turned 60 a few months ago. I've trained as an anesthesiologist and I'm at the moment in private practice working in, um, with a few specialists in the Johannesburg, Pretoria area. Um, I'm married um, for the second time very happily and uh, between us we've got five children spread all over the world. Um, and at the moment, being in lockdown is quite an interesting time in our lives. And um, although we, we're still waiting the um, avalanche of patients, we are preparing at the moment, getting ready for, for that. Okay, well, we'll talk a little bit more about lockdown and the pandemic later. But let's, uh, let's focus on you for a, for a while. So, so tell me when you started thinking that you might have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Well, I think I've always known that because it's quite rough in my family. On on my father's side, they are are quite a, we tend that that side of the family they tend to be sort of the happy the happy drugs. They all drink too much, but it's all right. My mother's side, I've had aunts and uncles who've died from uh, alcohol abuse, both with the livers packed up, and then uh, my, my ex-husband was an alcoholic. 
So I started attending Al-Anon meetings uh, about 30 years ago with my then husband. So I, I was fully aware of the fact that uh, alcohol is problematic. But I think that what happened with me is gradually over the years, I started drinking, as you know, being a drug and everything, and you get uh, tolerance. I started drinking more and more. And then eventually I'd, I realized that it's about time for me to, to, to stop, uh, uh, try to moderate, which wasn't possible. So I have tried stopping many times, but um, with limited success because I try to do it on my own. Okay, so your objectives when you came along to one of our workshops were to, to knock this on the head once and for all, I think. Yes, well, I realized that I can't do it on my own. I needed, um, I needed help to do it, and and it was like coming home. And I went to the workshop. I, I did the spring challenge, and I went to one of your workshops in Johannesburg, which was. And since then, it's it's now eight months ago, and everything has been wonderful. Oh, I'm so pleased for you, Judy. Well done. I know it's not easy for anybody, but I think our community helps, doesn't it? Because we're oh, all it does. in the same boat. Yeah, and, and when one gets a hiccup, you can share it. Um, I sort of hit um, a bit of depression around two months, which I think is quite common. I think it's because the brain is saying to you, "Give me, give me my fix." And but I, but with the help of the community, I got over that, and, and I'm now fine. Yeah, you, you just said there, um, it's our bodies saying, give me my fix. So let's talk about the fact that alcohol is a drug. It's, uh, it's a legal drug, which is why so many people get hooked, I think. But why is alcohol a drug? Okay, well, let me just go back a long time ago. Um, one of the, one of the uh, Homo sapiens uh, big success stories is when they discovered fire. Because they then realized that when they cooked the meat they caught and eat that, it was much easier to process. So instead of us being like elephants who spends 12 hours a day just rummaging for food, we can have our meat, which gives us a lot of extra time to do whatever we have to do. And that is when in the development of the humans that our brains started expanding so rapidly. But... Because it is a very delicate structure and the brain has developed a mechanism to keep it safe, which we call the blood-brain barrier. And this consists of some very tightly joined cells around your brain, which stops any toxin or anything dangerous to the body from getting into the brain. However, alcohol consists is this tiny little molecule that consists of two carbon molecules, lots of hydrogen molecules, and a hydroxyl, which is an oxygen and a, and a, a hydrogen molecule, which is able to cross over the blood-brain barrier. It sort of melts into the, they're not quite sure exactly how it does that, but it seems to melt into the blood-brain barrier and then this has its effect on the brain. And it also shares that there's a few other substances, nicotine, uh, cannabis, anesthetics, for example, work in the same way. And that is what makes alcohol so dangerous. One of the reasons that it's so dangerous because it's able to cross into the into our brain and have all the effects that we that we're fully aware of. 
Wow, that's, that's so interesting. Thank you for that. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So Judy, we're so grateful for you um, being our, our world without wine doctor and loads of people have benefited from your advice already. Uh, as we record this, South Africa is bracing itself for the, the coronavirus, which is sweeping the world. What, what's your, your take on this? How do you see the next six months panning out? So at the time of recording, I think we've got about 170 deaths in, in South Africa. Do you think we stand any chance of flat, flattening out the curve? Because we certainly went into lockdown quite early compared with other countries, didn't we? Yeah. I'm hoping so. Well, the fact that we did go into lockdown when we did has definitely flattened the curve. If you look at it, um, it's quite dramatic how it made a little knuckle and, and plummeted down. But I think our unfortunate problem is, unlike New Zealand, I don't know if we're going to be ultimately successful in in completely flattening the curve because um, the way that our population is situated, I don't think it's possible to to have the proper social distancing in the townships, for example. I mean, if you're living in a shack with 10 other people, it's a bit difficult. So unfortunately, I think we have delayed it. And I'm hoping, I must say, I'm very impressed with the way the government is handling it. For example, the state's laboratories have really been struggling with all the tests. So they've now asked the private sector for help. So I think if they can keep on testing and finding the patients, we have still got a chance of flattening the curve, and that's what we're all hoping will happen. Although um, I'm working in the private institutions, and we are also prepared to, if the things get really bad, we're going to accept some of the um, patients from the public sector as well. So um, this extra time has has been good. So we are now, we've got teams and we're all ready and we've got the PPE we need and um, everything seems to be ready. But we're still not exactly sure what's going to happen. But unfortunately, I think that we are going to see start seeing more cases. I hope I'm wrong. Okay, well, we're all hoping and praying, aren't we? Uh, so let's let's talk a bit, Judy, about the impact of alcohol on our health. Um, first of all, uh, let's go general here. Explain the general damage that alcohol does to our health, you know, to the liver and other organs. Well, alcohol is an irritant. It's a toxin and the body doesn't like it. So it uses an extremely high amount of, and I sound like Donald Trump now, but it's a, um, a lot of energy to get rid of this toxin. And um, a big portion of that is done by the liver because the liver breaks down the alcohol into acetaldehyde, and this inflames the liver. Ultimately, you start getting an increase in pressure of the liver, which is meant to be a very low pressure system. And this is what causes a lot of damage. And this is what ultimately, um, if you go to the extreme, this is what's going to kill you because that the liver is not meant to be a high pressure organ. Okay. And obviously, it damages a lot of the other systems as well, your pancreas, your brain, obviously the skin. 
there's hardly anywhere in the body that doesn't get damaged by alcohol. It's like a sledgehammer. It just goes and does damage. Yeah, sledgehammer. That's a, that's a very good analogy there. Now, we've yeah. both had breast, breast cancer, haven't yes. we? As have many, many women in our community who've been heavy drinkers yes. in the past. Talk, yes. talk to us a little bit about that link. Well, as, as it, because of the inflammation it causes, it seems to predispose one to cancers, um, especially of the, uh, the, the breast, the pancreas, uh, the esophagus, the throat, everywhere that the, the, where the alcohol touches you, even the bladder cancer is increased. And also with the COVID now, the problem is your immune system gets, gets damaged by alcohol and we need strong immune systems so that if we are infected, we are able to fight this virus. So obviously social distancing goes out of the window if, we, if you've had a few drinks. That's why they try to stop it, although I don't know how successful they're being because I know that the illegal alcohol market is flourishing. Because is it, is it true that our bodies treat alcohol as if they would treat an infection when we drink because it's a toxin, it yes. gets everything going, yeah? Yes, it does. And what happens with an infection, the body sees, oh dear, I've been invaded. So what happens is it attracts all sorts of inflammatory cells to the to the region. And there's a whole lot of different inflammatory cells. And one of the important ones is a substance called cytokine. Now, cytokine calls all the other cells. It's like a big whistle and it calls everybody. It says, come, we've been invaded. Come and help. And, and if it's, uh, this is another problem with the coronavirus, you get, this is what is causing a lot of damage because these cells, what they do is they release all sorts of an inflammatory substances, which damages the tissue. So, and, and the same thing happens with alcohol. It can do exactly the same thing, which is what you get a cytokine storm. And this is what a lot of people are actually dying from now with the coronavirus. They're getting such a huge cytokine storm that it is going and breaking down the um, the lung tissue. And another thing it's what's happening is these cytokines are clumping together with all the different cells. And this is then being spread through the body. And that is why they think people are now getting strokes and heart attacks and uh even lesions in their skin caused by the cytokine storm. Wow, that's amazing. So in effect, if just say that we're binge drinking every night and, and binge drinking, it, it isn't, you know, bottles and bottles of wine. It's one bottle of wine per person is definitely a binge yes. drink. If you're doing that every evening, like I used to, then um, and then you get the virus. I mean, it's just too much to expect your poor body to cope with, isn't it? Exactly. Well, the the immune system's already sort of semi exhausted because it's used up all its all its army just fighting the alcohol, and then this other big thing comes along, and it's just not able to. Yeah. The troops are are finished. They're exhausted. It's so even if we don't want to give up drinking forever or cut down forever, this. This period is a perfect time, isn't it, just to, to yeah. ditch it for a while until the world moves on. So if there's anyone listening there that's still drinking heavily, please think about what Judith said. 
Judy, there'll be people listening to this who know that they need to change their relationship with alcohol. There might be some people who've just heard your your thoughts on the, the virus and alcohol. What would you say to them to encourage them? Because as we both know, it's so hard, isn't it, just to get started? That's the most difficult thing. Any well, advice? I would encourage them to go to one of your workshops because that is what really got me on the path. And um, I think that one can't do it on your own because the it's it's very powerful it's a very powerful drug and uh, anybody that's read Claire Pooley's book will know all about the wine witch that little voice in their head that tells you oh come on now you're not that bad you know just just have one drink you'll stick to one drink which we all know doesn't work so that would be my advice is join our community because it definitely does work I think especially women find alcoholics anonymous a bit too much you know it's just too hardcore for as a woman although it does work I'm not knocking it but it does work for some but I found it too hardcore for myself yes I also uh, tried AA but I ended up because there were people there that were you know drinking a bottle of whiskey in the morning etc and I just thought I started thinking well I'm not that bad never to become too smug because that's when that's when you're heading for a fall yeah, and this thing about uh, people telling you, oh, you're not that bad. I had that a lot when I stopped drinking. People would say to me, but you didn't have a problem. What on earth are you doing? Mm. You know, this is so extreme. But to me, I mean, drinking a bottle of wine a night, I now know it's, it's a big problem. That's seven bottles of wine a week. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. So the safe guidelines are a bottle and a half of wine a week. But of course, the World Health Organization says, and I believe that um, it's best to drink no alcohol at all. I agree. I agree. Well, for me, it's the only way. I can't. Uh, my husband I think you've met him. He can have a half a bottle of beer and, and put a stopper in it and put it in the fridge <laughs> for the next day. I know. Which, you told me that story. Yeah, which I found a bit, I could never have seen that. <laughs> no, no. No, I, I would watch people with a glass of wine and they'd make it last all evening. And how do they do that? No, yeah. I, I believe that once we've crossed a line with our drinking, that's it. You know, you yes. can't moderate. You need to ditch the stuff and, you know, just create a different life, reconfigure mm. your, your social life if you need to. Mm. And I think the first hundred days are hard. I, I must admit it wasn't easy, but if you can just get to that hundred days, then it, then it definitely gets easier after that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you hit a bit of depression, didn't you? And I, mm. I did too. For me, it was about three months in, and I remember thinking, oh, what have I done here? You know, have I made a mistake? Because I feel like I've lost more than I've gained, you know, because I was missing some of my drinking buddies and things seem very flat. But I, I just powered through that, you know, and it did go on for a few weeks in my case. But eventually I started having lots of ideas and thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should do this because I had so much time on my hands, Ooh. as you do when you stop drinking. And that's when I got the idea to start World Without Wines. So uh, I say to people, you know, just hang in there, even though everything seems a bit dark. 
and you know there's a whole new life around the corner exactly yeah and i think also it's nice to give back you know to we all have been through the same process and sharing it with other people in a selfish way it helps you as well yeah, it does, totally. And we've now started a, a sober buddy system, as you know. Yeah. So some people can't come to workshops for financial reasons or geographical reasons. So although now we're doing them on Zoom, on that's Zoom. not a reason. Uh, but um, if, if you just take out a membership for Well yeah. Without Wine, it means we can team you up with a sober buddy. And, and I think that's working really well, both for the sober buddy, who, as you say, is giving something back. And of course, for the person who has got somebody there to, to message or, or to give a call to, to, to get some encouragement. For those out there who are struggling, I can say never give up. Just keep on trying yeah. until you get it right. Yeah. That would be my last yeah. message. Yeah, and it does take many people many tries. Yes. We both know that. But eventually mm. you'll get there. And I always say to people, there's no such thing as failure. The only failure is to stop trying. Exactly. So please never stop trying. Mm. Because every every week, every month of sobriety, you know, that's something to treasure. Don't exactly. lose it. Build on it. Mm. Yeah. Wow, thank you so much, Judy. That's really interesting. I love your analogy about the cytokines calling in the troops to help fight the battle and how it's just a bit much for us to expect our immune system to cope with binge drinking and with COVID. Let's, let me try and summarise my conversation with Judy by picking up three points that, that really resonated. And she talked about her depression in early months of sobriety. I remember that phase too. You get um, what they call AA, the pink cloud. After maybe a couple of weeks, you think, wow, I've got this. This is easy. I'm going to be able to do this. And then the motivation kind of slips away and you don't feel great because I'm going to be honest here. It takes, well, it certainly took me a good few months before I started feeling great. At the beginning, you feel just rather flat. And I think the explanation is that our bodies get so used to relying on alcohol to make us feel good. That our natural hormones, uh, dopamine, etc., the natural feel-good hormones, they, they take time to crank back into action. I read an article the other day that says it actually takes nine months. So the best advice that I can give you is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a while. Remember, we're not put on this earth to be happy 24-7. There's bound to be down days, times of flatness, but these times will pass. And if you can hang in there, your reward will be to discover long-lasting contentment and joy instead of a temporary and chemically enhanced buzz that is going to damage your health. The second point was that we have to keep our immune system strong in order to fight off the coronavirus. So in fact, there's never been a better time to give up drinking or at least take a break from drinking. Binge drinking and the coronavirus can cause a cytokine storm. And cytokine storms are currently responsible for many COVID deaths. Judy works in our hospital. She knows exactly what she's talking about. So we're running at the moment a free lockdown challenge, which is community and online support for 21 days. And we've had a, a great response to that. Many people are using this period 
to stop drinking. I mean, if you can't go out and buy wine, it's a great time to do this. And finally, you heard uh, Judy say that she couldn't make this change alone and that when she came to the workshop, she felt like she'd found her tribe or, in fact, she felt like she was coming home, as she put it so beautifully. She also talked about the importance of giving back once you are sober. So that's why we've introduced a sober buddy system at World Without Wine. So in a nutshell, if you get the blues in early sobriety, hang in there and it will pass. Protect your immune system by ditching the drink. And if you want a sober buddy, just get in touch. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave us a review. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.